Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Okay, let's open the Bible now as we continue on our series titled, Pray For It. Everyone say, Pray For It. I'm really asking God and believing God to ignite, to elevate, to activate our prayer lives. We become powerful when we pray. The Bible says, my house shall be called a house of a house of prayer for all nations, just like this beautiful rainbow, rainbow of people from different areas, different walks of life, different nations, different countries. It was always the plan of God that people would gather together and call upon his name and that even when we're alone, that we would live a lifestyle of prayer. I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, the first thing you should do is everyone pray for it. If we would pray for it first, oh my goodness what we would see the Lord do. And so um, we've started this series in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. And um, we're looking, when you read the book of Daniel, you're looking at the life and the impact of a young man all the way to an old man because in Daniel chapter 10, now he's in his 80s right? Um, You're looking at the impact and the power of a life that is committed to pray for it. And if you didn't listen to last week's message, please um, do so. I gave a lot of kind of upfront background information about Daniel, and I'm being um, re-inspired to pray for it. I want to pray more than I've ever prayed before. We can live. The Bible says pray without ceasing. There's a a way for us to steal away snatches and moments of our day to pray and ask God to help us, to use us, to move in power for his glory. And um, so, so we're going to be, we're learning over the course of weeks. Last week we talked about what prayer does for us. Today we're starting to look at what we should be praying for. Okay? What should we be praying for? And once again, this is a very unique passage of scripture. We've got two more messages today and next week out of Uh, the book of Daniel, and we're going to take the first half of that, Daniel chapter 10. We're not going to read the whole thing like we did last week. We're going to only read the first eight verses. So it says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation, everyone say revelation. revelation, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, now it switches into Daniel speaking, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no 
choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. We covered this last week. For 21 days, Daniel was fasting. For 21 days, Daniel was separating himself from a lot of the normal things that he would do so he could get close to God. Okay? And um, when January comes, should the Lord tarry and we get there? I hope, I hope we all go to heaven before January, but if we don't, we will start the year typically with a 21-day fast. Where do we get that from? We actually get it from an example that was set by the life of Daniel. And I want to encourage you, it doesn't have to be 21 days, but when you got big stuff going on, take three days. Change your schedule. Go, instead of, uh, instead of your regular routine, maybe for your lunchtime, don't eat, just go pray someplace. You know, there are a lot of different ways that you can do this, but Daniel was fasting and was seeking God for 21 days. It says, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleaming, like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I said this last week, last week, I'll say it again. This is a picture of, the, of uh, how Jesus was depicted in, in the book of Revelation when John got a revelation of the glorified Christ. Virtually every commentator believes that this was another but similar revelation of the glorified Christ. When you read in the Gospels, Jesus is in his human form. When you look here and when you look at Revelation, Jesus is in his glorified form. So this is the revelation that God gives to Daniel in a vision. Then it says, I, Daniel was the only one who saw the vision. He was the only one. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was Helpless. Now we're stopping here in the middle of the story because what I want to do today is talk about something that we all should pray for, we should expect and pursue in our lives. And the title of today's message is Pray for Revelation. You want to pray for something? Pray for Revelation. Pray that God would show you things that you need to know. How many know we don't know, but God knows? A life that is impacted by revelation is the best life to live. I was telling the staff members before, I was saying, you know what, without a shadow of a doubt, whenever I've made decisions before I got the revelation, I was always off. 
But how many know when you get the revelation, when you get the mind of God, when you get the God's pathway, God's perspective, that's when you can make the right choices. That's when we see the things the way that we're supposed to see them. And so we need to pray for revelation. Now, before I actually uh, uh, pray, I want to read one more verse to you so that you could see that this is built into New Testament Christianity as well. Look at John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, the Bible says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Anyone who pursues closeness to God, friendship with God, will start to receive the revelations of God. You see, you don't have to live this life in the city of Chicago, in Chicagoland. You don't have to go out of your house tomorrow or go out of your house three days from now should the Lord tarry and not have a clue. How many know God can clue us in? God can speak to us and guide us and show us the way that we should go. There are a voice, there is a voice, the voice of God that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. But if you want that kind of life, you have to pray for it. It takes revelation. And so, let me say one more thing and then I really wanna pray. You know, this is a fantastic passage of scripture. Literally, it's mystical, it's fantastic because if you keep reading up to verse 20, it tells you what's happening in the spirit realm. And when we talk about visions and revelation, some people just can't handle that. Some people, some people, their, their mind, uh, uh, it, it just, it, it says, I, I kind of can get with religion. I think it's good. I, I can get with, with uh, philosophy. I can get with a lot of that. But when you start talking about, about revelation, now you're going too far for me. Well, I want to suggest to you that revelation should be natural, normal, consistent. It should be a very regular part of our lives. But look, maybe some of you, if you come from certain backgrounds, like my parents were from Cuba, my first exposure to the spiritual, the real spiritual realm was when I was about seven years old. So when I was seven, we lived in an apartment building in Brooklyn, and oftentimes we would go, my mom and dad would take me to the second, we lived on the fifth floor, we would go to the second floor, and there was this lady there who they, would, they were friends with, but when we would go, she had a special room. And in this room, there was a big seat, right? And there was all of this kind of stuff. There was some skulls and shells and candles, some statues, like all sorts of stuff that kind of weirded me out. Little kid, I was like, eesh. But here's what she would do. We would be talking and everything, and then all of a sudden, the, the mood of the, of the conversation and fellowship would change, and what she would do is she would uh, sit in the chair, light a cigar, and she would get a bottle of some kind of whiskey or something, and she would start to smoke the cigar. I remember this like yesterday. And she would take long, 
long drags. Put it down. And I would think, man, this lady's gonna fall over drunk. But she was clear as a bell. And something would come on her and she would start telling people in the room what was going on in their lives. She was a medium. She was a piritita, uh, a spiritist. And in my family, there was voodoo. And I remember her saying things, people being shocked, right? And um, at a certain point, I remember when she pointed at me, and here's what she said. She said, you see this, this little boy? The spirits want him. She said, he's going to be a leader in this. He's going to do what I do, Okay? And my father, used to, I would walk up there and say, he says, you're not going to be a leader. And they're going to be a leader in baseball. Don't be listening to all that stuff. <laughs> okay? But you know, you know, the spirit realm is real. And the devil has a counterfeit for everything. You understand? So I didn't know that the call of God was upon my life. But maybe the enemy knew and was trying to derail me. Okay, and then real quickly, so fast forward, I'm 17 years old, I'm about to go, I'm, I'm told I'm going high in the draft, this is the year I've been waiting for, and I get hurt my first game, the day I gave my heart to the Lord, I had a, like an experience with God, um, I, I, uh, I, just, I met Jesus on the baseball field, I go to pitch, and while I'm pitching, I pull a muscle in my leg. And the day I gave my life to Christ was the beginning of the end of my baseball career. I didn't know that. But I'm limping around. I can't get better. The season is going by and I can't get better. And my mom is walking into a supermarket. And a lady says to her in Spanish, uh, Miss, you have a son who's going through a really hard time and his, 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 his dreams are being blocked. And my mom says, yeah, that's true. She says, here. She gives her a card and she says, you gotta go to this man. This man is gonna help you get this voodoo, hoodoo thing off of him. Okay? So my mom comes home and she says to me, we're going to see this man. And I'm like, uh, mom, I'm a Christian. I don't need that. She said, no, we're going to see this man. I said, mom, I'm not going. Okay? I don't want that. You want to go, you go, I don't want that. So she says, fine, I'll go. So the day comes and she goes, forgive me for the long story, I'm going to give you a message here. <laughs> so she goes, and, uh, and I start praying. I'm like, Lord, block that, Lord, you know, all that stuff. And so I was a baby Christian. I didn't, I didn't know up from down. I barely knew five Bible verses, but I just didn't want the covering of someone other than Jesus and so anyway she goes and then she comes back and when she comes back I'm like okay what happened so she says to me um well first of all it should have been 35 minutes it took me like two hours it was just horrible I couldn't get there right and she goes then I go and the guy's there and the guy says uh senora you have three kids the first one I see in a, a uniform. He's in the military. Do you have a kid in the military? She says, yes, that's my oldest son. Total stranger. 
Yeah, that's my oldest son. That's your oldest son? Yeah, he's, he's in the Air Force. And then I see, I see uh, you have a daughter or, or another child and they're in school. Yes, that's my daughter. She's in middle school. He goes, and then you have one more, right? She says, yes. And he goes like this. This is the way she described it to me. He goes, I got nothing. <laughs> so wait. So she comes home and she tells me, he said, when it came to you, he got nothing. And I was like, yes, come on. Now wait, we're gonna praise God. Here was the revelation of the moment, okay? There are demons, there are principalities, there are powers, but my God is the king of the spirit realm. My God is the king of the ages. He's the glorious power of might, hallelujah. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, hallelujah. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the one we can trust. He's the one that we can lean on. Blessed be the name of our God, hallelujah. I don't need to read the, the, the sign thingy. What do you call that? Zodiac, whatever that is. I don't need to, the tarot cards. I don't need a fortune teller. I have the one who gave his life for me. We have the one who gave his everything. Hallelujah. Don't lean on the arm of the flesh. Don't lean on the, on the things of this world. Let's follow King Jesus that we sang about today. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Spirit realm is real. But greater, everybody say greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You take government powers, you take political powers, you take, you take world powers, every kind of power is not greater than the power of Christ. Hallelujah. So now, Father, in the, lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, give us revelation. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Use us for your glory, use us for eternity's sake. Not for the here and the now, but for your forever for our lives. We open up our hearts and we invite you to have your way with our lives, with our families, with our future, with our energy and resources. We put it at your feet. Give us revelation because where you lead us, we will follow you. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, Come on, hallelujah. Okay, that intro was way too long, so I gotta go fast. Okay, so what is revelation? Real quickly, revelation is a disclosure of information or knowledge to man by a divine or supernatural agency. It's possible. It's a disclosure of facts to those previously unaware of them. What we see in Daniel chapter 10 is a revelation. God was through Daniel prophesying what's to come. By the way, 
side note, if you look at the prophecies in the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel is one of the most contested books of the Bible. And let me tell you why. It's because Daniel, hundreds of years before it happened, he predicted the succession of empires. He talked about what they would be like. Oh, Alexander the Great and Nebuchadnezzar and those in between and then the Roman Empire and then Jesus coming in the midst of the Roman Empire. Uh, Daniel, with great specificity, he prophesied in advance. And many people, unbelievers, people who mock the word, they try to say, no, that was not true. That was written after the fact. But any, any serious, humble heart that will look at the facts will know that the hand of God, the, the, the hand of the one who is the Alpha and the Omega was upon him and inspired him to declare the future. He inspired him to declare the future. And he said exactly the way the empires would unfold all the way to the Roman Empire and then the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is, this, this was a vision, but here's important for us to know, not all revelation is visual. Most revelation comes from the word and translates into deep spiritual impressions upon our heart. Watch this video real quick to give you just one of many examples. This is a great man of God who's written many, many books. The 60th anniversary of my conversion to the Christian faith it was in September of 1957. And I will never forget, I think I'm the only person in the history of the church to be converted by a particular verse that God used to open up my heart and my eyes to the truth of Christ. It came from the book of Ecclesiastes, where the author of Ecclesiastes describes in metaphorical terms a tree that falls in the forest, and where it falls, there it stays. And God awakened my soul by considering that passage as I saw myself as a tree fallen and rotting and decaying. And that was a description of my life. That's where I was. Nobody had to tell me that I was a sinner. I knew that. That was abundantly clear to me. But as I went to my bedroom that night and got on my knees, my experience was one of transcendent forgiveness. And I was overwhelmed by the tender mercy of God, the sweetness of His grace, and the awakening that He gave me for my life. And I pray that any of you who have not yet experienced an awakening to the reality of Christ would have that experience in your life, that you would look carefully at the Scriptures, at the Word of God, and that that Word may be used in power. Hallelujah. Come on, isn't Revelation beautiful? You see, every time you and I read the Word of God, it is an opportunity for us to experience revelation. It doesn't happen every day, but it should happen often. And what I mean by that is that when you read the Word of God, brothers and sisters, if you're reading it with a hungry, humble, open heart, part of what happens is God starts to make these deep impressions on our soul. And that's what's called revelation. 
That's what happened to him. Revelation begins when we are saved. I had that impression supernaturally on a baseball field. It happens to children and different people. 25 ladies gave, had the revelation, I want friendship and I want the lordship of Jesus Christ. That happened last night. That is revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's not just to become a Christian, it's for your whole life. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, we are invited to ask for revelation. Okay, look at what Jeremiah 33 says. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, he who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. And watch what he says. He's saying that to you and me. Oh, it's, it's still the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's what he says. He says, call to me. Go home and call to me. Come to church and call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. How many know he's inviting us to say, ask for revelation and I will give it. Anybody here need some, want some revelation? Ask for revelation, seek revelation. Your life will be different. Everything will be different. And so, wow, this is so, so powerful. Revelation can be consistent in our lives. We need to pray for and expect revelation. This is different than, ask, than saying grace. I hope you say grace every time you eat, right? I was really hungry the other day and I was like, hi, and Chrissy was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so funny. She's like, thank you, Lord, for this food. I went. <laughs> so, yes, there are moments when we thank God, but then there are moments when we're asking God specifically for him to speak to us. That's what Revelation is all about. Now, let me very quickly say two things about Revelation. Number one, Revelation has a cost. Revelation has a cost. You have to seek him to find him. We seek so many things. We put so much energy into seeking so many things. Why not seek God? Why not give God extra time? Okay? I can't... I can't um, List the many times I had a coach say to me, you get out of things what you put into them. You want to get good at baseball, you got to work at it, right? How many know if you invest in your relationship with Jesus, if you seek him, if you worship him, if you go after him, guess what? You will find him and you will know his favor. You will know his favor. Look at what the Bible says here, okay? Jeremiah 29 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's why cultural Christianity is a waste of time. Half-hearted serving God is a waste of time. If you serve God, serve him with all of your heart. But if you serve him with all your heart, even though there's 7 billion people on the planet, maybe 8 billion, he will find you. And you will find him. Amen? 
It's the kind of God that he is. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, everyone, seek him. Go after God. Give him 20 or 30 minutes today. Go for a walk. Shut yourself in the room. Cry out to God. What do you need? What are you facing? What are you struggling with? Instead of calling this person and that person and this person and and looking up and stop Googling and start looking up and say, Jesus, help me. Hallelujah. Google later. Okay. Sorry, Google, we don't want to... (laughs) Revelation has a cost. But here's the thing. Whoever is close to God hears from God. It's contingent upon our closeness. See, there's this passage of Scripture that says in in the... Well, in the passage of Scripture that we read, he says, I saw it, but the other people didn't. Why? Because he was the one who was seeking. If you seek, you'll see. Let me put it this way. When we separate to seek him, we see what others don't. You see? Start seeking God consistently and watch there, this incredible revelation begin in your life. A little bit more. Let me tell you what the great apostle of prayer, Ian Bounds, said. He said, God's revelation does not need the light of human genius, the polish and strength of human culture, the brilliancy of human thought, the force of human brains to adorn or enforce it. But it does demand the simplicity the docility, humility, and faith of a child's heart. A heart that says, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Here, Psalm 25:14 is one of my favorites. If they could send me a keyboard player. Psalm 25.4 begins with, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. A regular part of your Christianity on a consistent basis, it should be, show me your way, teach me your path. Okay, what are you asking for? You're asking for revelation. Right? Whatever, however it applies to you, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. And then further on in Psalm 25, here's what it says. It says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, with those who respect and honor. Not be afraid, but those who respect and honor and worship him like we were doing before. You see? Go home and sing holy and worthy and watch the presence of God visit you. Just you by yourself. Just go home and do that. Okay? If you will have the boldness and the love in your heart to lift your hands and worship and honor him, he says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Your life will change. Your life will change. It's powerful. So there's something about God that when we draw near to him and say, show me, He draws near to us. We have to understand revelation has a cost. The constant theme of the book of Daniel, the big lesson is if you seek him, you'll find him. And I'm telling you right now, 
You may have a lot of problems today. You're watching online, you may have a lot of struggles, a lot of difficulties. You may have a troubled past, you know? You may have a hardship and hurt and all of those things. But if you set your face to seek God, I'm telling you right now, all things are possible. Great change, great transformation. I'm so messed up, I need to be healed. I, I need this, I need that. Yes, and guess what? Jesus has it all. If you seek him, you'll find him. We can help you seek God here. We encourage you to seek God here, but I encourage you to go home and seek God. You see? Go do it. Men, the most courageous, powerful thing that you could do for yourself, for your family, for your community is to go home and seek God. Become a God seeker. And I'm telling you, the favor of God will flow like a river towards your life. You don't have to be perfect. Thank God Jesus is perfect and Jesus paid it all. Amen, hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. Yes, yes. But there is a cost. Set aside time for God. Amen. Number two, Revelation serves us. You gotta understand, an internal revelation will do something to your life, okay? God gives us internal revelation, and this is, these are general, there's more, but when God gives us internal revelation, there are three fundamental things that happen. Could you give me the next slide? First of all, he assures us. Worry, fear, doubt. Uh, 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 you know, stress. All of those things change when you get into the presence of God. I don't know how it happens, but I just know it does happen. You go down one way, you're stressed out. You get one look at the face of Jesus, which you didn't see, but the eyes of your spirit saw. And when the eyes of your spirit see the face of Jesus, you walk out and it's all good. He assures us, I'm with you, it's all good. I got you. You know, it transforms us. Healing takes place in the presence of God. Don't you, why do you think we preach sermons, but when we're done preaching, we say, come forward. Because the whole purpose of the sermon is to build faith in your heart so that you will forget after the sermon is done. Forget about the speaker and look at the, look at the Lord that the speaker is speaking about. And when you make that connection with him, everything changes. My sermons can't change you. But faith built up in your heart if you respond to God, transformation. You see? Revelation leads us. Don't go this way, don't go that way. So look, I'm gonna close in a moment. But we saw R.C. Sproul, great theologian, great man of God. I got tons of books in, in my library by R.C. Sproul, the, the guy who you saw on video. Um, started at salvation, but it continued. Okay, revelation is powerful. How powerful? Revelation can cure like the ills of society. I want to give you an example. So back in the 1700s, there was a man named John Newton. John Newton 
was the captain of a ship and he primarily uh, carried as cargo slaves. He was a slave trader. And he was on a ship and there was a storm. And when the storm came, it was so terrible that he actually started to pray, got convicted, prayed, asked God to help him. God delivered him from the storm and then he gave his life to Jesus. He started reading the Bible. After a while, after a certain amount of time, he started to become such a God seeker, he actually became a pastor. When he became a pastor, as he was contemplating and looking back, he started to realize how wicked slavery really was. He was like, I can't believe I was doing that, okay? So he got this revelation of the wickedness of slavery. So what he did is he wrote something, he wrote a whole position paper on the wickedness of slavery, and he gave it to a man named William Wilberforce. Now, William Wilberforce was a politician, okay? But he was a spirit-filled politician. He was a man of God, and when he read it, he said, every politician needs to read this, and he got copies of it, and he gave it out to everyone in parliament in, in England, and then they started this battle. And sure enough, it took a while, but, but uh, slavery was abolished in, um, slavery was abolished in England. And listen, when it was abolished, there was no civil war. I was thinking about this. Why? In, in our country, when we abolished slavery, which is as wicked as, how much more of a wicked thing could we get than slavery? We still have it now. We have human trafficking. We have all of this kind of stuff. Human slavery at every level. But that was like the wholesale, most demonic, ugly thing. But in our nation, it, it cost us 600,000 lives. There was a great civil war. Why? It's because when I look at American history, I don't hear the voice of God speaking. I don't see that the, there was a voice of God speaking to the conscience of our nation saying, this is unpleasing to me. We must repent of this. They had a different motivation because someone got a revelation. Sometimes we want to take care of so much with the human flesh, but what if we got a revelation from God? How many know we can bring about great change for the glory of God and it'll be less disastrous and ugly? I was like, man, I wish we would have gotten a revelation in our nation about this. How many of the city of Chicago needs a lot of revelations? So imagine, no civil war. I was talking to, just a couple, real quick, and then I'm gonna close. I was talking to a sister in, um, in uh, Philadelphia, and it was funny, because there was a brightness in her eyes. She said to me, you know what? About three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I don't know exactly when it was, the Lord touched me and I just, I just, this thing just got off of me, you know? And like all of a sudden, this thing that has been burdening her, it just got off of her. It's like she got a fresh look at the face of Christ. And I could see, guess what? She's ready. Do you know revelation prepares you for the blessing of God? Revelation gets you ready to receive. God wants to pour stuff in our lives, but we need a revelation to get our heart ready, our mind ready, our choices ready. Revelation does so much, and I could see it on her face. 
Revelation leads us and guides us. I'll close with this, okay? When Chrissy and I were in Omaha, I woke up one day and I'm praying and reading my Bible and I get the strangest thought. Here's the thought. Get ready because the newspaper is gonna call you. Omaha World Herald. I'm like, oh snap. So now I kind of knew, I had a sense of what it was. It's because we were, we were leading one of the four largest churches of Omaha. There were four. And about three or four weeks before, they invited me to a meeting with those pastors and said, hey, let's do a commercial for the city of Omaha so that we could show that we're united. We talked about it, but we never decided. And we went on. And then all of a sudden, I get an email about doing the commercial. And honestly, I didn't feel good about it. I talked to Chrissy. She didn't feel good about it because we were like, look, if we just put the four biggest churches, we're just letting the people know about the four biggest churches. What about the little guy? Maybe we're going to be taking people from the little guy. We'll pay, but put a little a guy with a smaller church and medium-sized church and different races and all that. Let's make it mix, even though we'll pay. One of you guys go on. Anyway, that was my thinking, and I just didn't feel good about it. So I run into, I talk to Chrissy, I run into work, I meet with the pastors. I say, I'm gonna get a call. I feel like I'm getting a call. I call Pastor Simbla, uh, my pastor, Chrissy's dad. And when I talk to Pastor Simbla and I laid out, he said, Al, you should say this, 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 and this. And, and here's what, with the, the key was this, is to say, we're not gonna participate in this, but I didn't wanna say something that would tell the world that the church was divided. So what a battle, right? But Pastor Simla told me how to say it. And, she, and guess what? 11.30, 11.45, ring. Hey, Pastor, Omaha World Herald is on. I was like, oh, snap. I know there are times you go, yo, God is real. <laughs> like, called, spoke to the lady, 10 minutes, rampang, very good. You know why? Because God prepared me. How many know God wants to prepare you?